And this is Brandon, a.k.a. Big Daddy. Nobody calls you that. Right. Yeah, and we're here with Green Leather Sofa Podcast. Season 2. Let's get into this episode. Every time, every time I watch this movie, um, it's not one of those, I, I, I don't think that it's one of those movies that gives me like a different vibe every time I watch it. What I, do you feel? What do I feel? Like nostalgia? No, I don't feel nostalgia. Oh, <laughs> really? I don't feel nostalgia. I don't feel, um, I don't feel like it takes me anywhere. I don't feel like it teaches me anything and i don't think it it doesn't even make me feel anything really now i'm not saying that it's a bad movie because i like it but i just don't like it's not something that like i'll go back to and feel like yeah i think that when i watch that movie i typically revisit it for nostalgia yeah yeah like that era of time i I think I was the same age as the kids in the movie when the movie came out. Okay. So when I see that movie, I'm reminded of that time in my life. It was your Degrassi. It was it was like I Saved mean, Degrassi, by the Bell. Degrassi was my Degrassi, but eat. Saved by the Bell? Nah. I feel like Saved by the Bell was something for people that it made them like, you know, especially teenagers, like it, you, you felt like you were living through them. I don't think Saved by the Bell was as relatable as... ATL was for black kids of that time. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I'm, I'm like, that was the movie for our era to really see ourselves on the big screen. Okay. Like, to really see ourselves. Mm. And I think it was a good movie to just show the world, like, these black teenagers mm-hmm. that you write off, that you're quick to make assumptions about. Yeah. Like, we do the same teenager things that everybody else does we just wear different clothes and have different accents yeah but we're doing the same stuff everybody else does it's very true that's very true and we get into the same antics we have the mm-hmm. same like the same like relationship issues you know like have heavy jealousy and and you know not knowing how to communicate like that's that's pretty like those are pretty universal topics yeah, we we've seen people trying to pose before. Yeah, yeah. Um, on both sides, because in this movie we have Nunu doing it, and we also have Esquire. But how many times have we seen like a a show with a majority white cast, and people are doing exactly what Esquire does? Oh yeah. Um. Well, white people doing it. White people. I don't think like we... trying to hide the fact that they're from the other side of the tracks. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like that. That's in a lot of shows or a mm-hmm. lot of movies. Um, and then we have the kids who, you know, are down on their luck because their parents passed away and they're being raised by a family member. Like these are things that are so relatable to everybody. Yeah. Now our movie is ATL in case, uh, people in case you didn't catch it. Here's my question. I'm going to start off like this. Who was the bigger poser? Nunu or Esquire? Nunu. Why? There was no reason for her to do what she did. What do you think her reason was? She's a dumb teenager. And she didn't value the things that were accessible to her. And Mm -hmm. she felt like her dad 
um, it was a sellout, which she said in the movie. Yeah. So instead of being considered a sellout too, okay, she's like, I can go and I can survive in this environment. Do you think that she was protecting her father's legacy by not admitting um, that she was from wealth? Her, his like kids? his his hood credibility, I guess. I think she was protecting her access to that lifestyle. Okay. Because come on, let's be real. Kids in the hood have fun. Yeah. And if there was a chance that I wouldn't be able to go to the hood, like if I found a way to go to the hood and not get in trouble, mm-hmm. I'm not about to say something so that somebody can go back and tell my dad that I'm hanging out in the hood where I'm not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. No. Do you think that the reason that, like, because I'm pretty sure that her father had multiple conversations with her about dealing on those sides of the tracks mm-hmm. or being with those types of boys, which it's a very credible fear to have. I mean, honestly, I don't think he did or said anything wrong to her in regards to that area. But you think that, yeah, I don't think he did either. I don't even think that he had the conversation about those types of boys like that. Right. Because he, he, didn't, probably, he didn't even feel like he had to. Exactly. He probably felt like my daughter's not going to come across these people. Mm-hmm. So why do we need to have this conversation? Do you think it takes coming from those types of environments to be a real success story? Mm-mm. No? No, but I do think that the general public... And values the, the I guess the rags to riches okay that's that's where, kind of where I was going not not to get successful in life but to create success mm-hmm. to like from the ground up type of thing do you need do you need the duality of like you know intelligence resource access opportunity and do you need the duality of you know earnest beginnings uh you know struggle and you know because it's the father of invention is what they say and you know imagination and innovation because you're you're in a position where you don't have these things and you still find mm-hmm. a way to make it you know make it case Just, in point when we look at kylie jenner okay versus rihanna okay because that's the conversation that comes up often mm-hmm. when they're talking about uh self-made and a lot of people don't respect kylie jenner as self-made i don't believe she is self-made right because she had access right her whole life like your father is an olympian yeah. like there's a level of access that's going to come from that alone yeah add on to that the fact that your siblings their father or you're kind of attached to that you know and all of their father's notoriety or fame yeah um and then look at who your sister is so you just have access in that kind of way Whereas Rihanna is somebody, you know, she really, really came from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that argument. Um, okay. So, is there more implication? Because you said that, you know, Nunu, she, she pretty much felt that her being in quote-unquote the hood and living you know a life of luxury really Mm -hmm. that she would probably be targeted because of that or or made fun of how come no one makes fun of esquire for 
being from the hood, but living a luxurious student lifestyle? Because when you're in the hood, when somebody finds a lane to get out of the hood, Mm -hmm. I feel like it's respected. Mm. And Nunu was trying to push her way in. Okay. And it's basically like what Esquire said. Like, you can have the piss in the hallways. Yeah. Yeah. Like, kids from the hood, I think so many people, they talk a a big game and they want the hood so that they have street cred and everything like that. But if you give them an opportunity to get out of the hood, I don't know many who are not going to take it. Uh, Here's my, here's my, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of pivot a little bit. Okay. When we think about Rashad, Rashad is taking a very noble approach to um, to his young life. He, we, we say he's about what, 17, 18? Yeah. And already he has amassed a small fortune for himself, all dedicated to take his little brother beyond where they're going to be. Right. He is very self selfless mm-hmm. and he feels more mature than everybody he often like if, if you can you can tell by his narration of everybody else right mm-hmm. it's it reminds me of moesha it reminds me of moesha but it also he he just decided to grow up one day when his parents died he knew right away that he had to be as selfless as a parent and we see this like in every I think every movie we've covered mm-hmm. where a young person or teenager's parents have died in the film or before the film starts. They always seem a little bit more mature mm-hmm. than all of their friends. Um, I'm Why, thinking of Justice, too. Mm-hmm. Um, even Troy. Yeah. When she gets to a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a sudden change. It's a sudden mm-hmm. change in, in that character. But why is that always part of our struggle? Why are we always dealing with parents that have departed too soon? And then our main character is usually someone that has grown too quickly, too fast. I think it's just one of those things that tends to happen, especially when you're talking about kids in the hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because you think about what it takes for a person to stay healthy mm-hmm. and alive, what mm-hmm. it takes for a person to somehow skip violence in that neighborhood and stay alive. Yeah. There are so many different attacks on a person's life and they're amplified when you live in the hood. Yes, that is true. Like you can be the best person in minding your business and a stray bullet because of somebody else's beef can take you out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It is a heightened, a heightened thing in our, um, community. And, um, for the life of me, I, I I don't think I'd be able to understand why often the best stories come from these types of tragedies. But Rashad is somebody who very selfless in the fact that he doesn't spend any of the money he earns. Mm-hmm. And he lives well within that, that bubble. Like, he doesn't go out and do much. But He goes I- to school, and then he goes home and works. I really hope that I'm not like blowing up one of your later points for this episode, but I have to say it. I think it is bullshit that the inheritance that he was supposed to have, he and his brother were supposed to have, Mm -hmm. like 
landed in in Uncle Uncle uh, yeah. George's like, lap. Like your parents, they have a house. Yeah. And a lot of times when people buy houses and right. things, they imagine passing it down to their kids. Well, I think it's because at the time Rashad was fifteen. Yeah, and you know they needed that, and it's a it's a really bad circumstance to be in. Right. But I think that this movie kind of highlights making sure that your paperwork is in order. Yes. Because it should be a situation where, okay, you're going to take care of the kids because you're my next of kin, Mm -hmm. but the house is theirs. Right. Exactly. I understand that. Um, Because even me, I'm trying to, I'm trying to understand how all of that works. And when people actually take the, the moment to sit down and map out their, their plans, their will, Mm -hmm. you know, everything it's a very morbid thing to do, especially when you're young, especially yeah. when you have kids. And you feel um, like your whole life is ahead of you. Right. Um, okay, so let me ask you this. Do you think that Rashad has his own advanced directives in case something happens to him for his brother? At that age, probably not. You don't think not. so. Exactly. No. Which no. is, which is honestly, it's part of the problem because he's put himself in harm's way, not once, but twice, dealing mm-hmm. with and, and dealing with um, Marcus, I believe, uh, Big Boy's character's name. Yeah. He could have got murked out twice. Yeah. I just think, like, at that age, 17, 18, in normal circumstances, mm-hmm. kids don't have to worry about that. Like, it's for the parents to still worry about for the kids. Yeah. Um, but since his parents aren't around, it's a bit different. I'm, I've never thought about this question that I'm about to ask you. Okay. Do you think there was a point in the movie in which Ant would have killed his own brother for that money? For the money that Rashad had? Rashad had been saving? Or if Marcus asked him to do it? To kill his brother? Yeah. No. You don't think so? No. Under no circumstance? Not even when, you know, Rashad beat that ass when he found now, out? The, these little hood, hood things for, from today? Yeah, I think that they would kill family for that. But I think at that point, people were still playing by the code. Like, you're not going to kill your brother for that. I think if they really wanted to make ATL dark, they they could (laughs) have... put that in there like maybe the I'm sequel they didn't maybe the sequel and will have like neck tattoos and shit and but speaking of the sequel that was supposed to be a legit thing right is it still i think the they're works? filming it i think it's still in the works okay i don't i don't really want to see struggle beard ti with with the uh with the with the little dreads because rashad would only be in his 30s right ti is in his 40s and looks every bit of it Wait, is he in his 40s yet? Or is he still in his 30s? I think he's... I think he's early 40s. I think he might be like 45. I want to say... Let me look it up real quick. You know how I do, y'all. Brain to be Googling. Um, Uh, T.I. is 41, actually. Yeah, so... Damn. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think he looks too old. I think his hair looks makes him look old. Yeah, but Rashad would only be about... How old am I? 33? Rashad would probably be 33, 34. He'd still be about 125 pounds. <laughs> and that's the thing about this movie, man. Like, it really made me... I remember that uh, uh, our homie Fred will will, uh, will laugh at this, but like... Uh, Fred stay getting shout-outs on this podcast. <laughs> Fred, Fred, Fred reminded me of that um, that Beef 3. Uh, you know, they, they used to have a Beef series, like the DVDs and stuff like that. Okay. And it would like... It's like a documentary on like some of hip-hop's most... Um, 
illustrious beefs or whatever. So they'll have like the game versus 50 cent, you know, they'll have like, those sto- yeah, well, they would be like all background stories and like all of their, um, they used to sell this as a two for one with the and one. <laughs> the and one mixtapes, yeah. No, not the mixtape. No, no. The they would call it games. would be it would it would be called and one mixtape though. Oh, with the basketball yeah, and yeah. The, oh god. And um, <laughs> no, it it would be though. They would sell it at like the Goombay Festival and stuff like that. That you get your bootleg CDs. I feel and stuff like and, this beef thing was like a two for one. <laughs> yeah, but they're on YouTube and shit. And uh, the the best one, one of the best ones for me was the one with Ti and Lil Flip. Now Ooh. this is this is like probably right before rubber band man dropped so like ti was not the bigger artist at this time okay and <laughs> what did little flip have out at that time oh little flip had game over he had um is he the one who did that sunshine song yeah that's one of my I favorite songs like from song. him that's one of my favorite songs from him um let me see uh anytime you hear keys going that's brandon googling oh you know it you know it <laughs> Okay, let me see if I can pull this up real quick because it, it was funny. It was funny as hell. Because T.I., he was so mad because Lil Flip had like these big poster-sized uh, images. Like he would have them like, and he would bring them to like different concerts. And he digitally imposed, <laughs> the way T.I. said, and he digitally imposed my head on an Ethiopian's <laughs> body. and it was a starving ass kid like like and the thing is like i'm watching i'm watching this you know atl movie and i'm like damn ti is a little a little nigga like he look he has a 17 year old's body in this movie but his head was like his like his face was 26 or so he was a grown man he was a grown man i'm trying to find it i'm trying to scan this thing real quick to see if i can find that part because I'm telling you, the way he said that shit had me rolling. Hold on, let me see if this is it. Um, this is like a little part of the actual uh, video. Hold on. Okay. Backstage, and I see Flip in New York when we were shooting the cover for the source. I was late. Okay, they. That's they, his voice. No, no, they, they, they took, they, they took the pitch off, I guess, for copyright. Okay, so yeah, it sounds like sense. the pitch is a little off, but you, you can, you can tell Ti. What the hell is that? You can tell Ti by the way he talks. Hold on. That was getting my hair braided or whatever. You know what I mean? So they let people come to my trailer. I don't let no motherfuckers come to my trailer. It's mighty <laughs> hoish of him to let somebody just basically like take your space because i spent way more time we were smoking drinking kicking and chilling on the trailer me and my all partner. right i can't even do it with this voice no more it sounds so crazy <laughs> <laughs> well basically basically lil flip <laughs> digitally imposed ti's head on an ethiopian's body and the whole time i'm watching this show or this movie rather especially when they're at the pool the pool scene i'm like yo this nigga ti is skinny mm-hmm. and it looked like someone put his head on a teenager's body. I forget how small this nigga is. How is he so threatening? Like, I, he used to talk spicy to niggas. And that's why they called him Little Big Brother in the movie. Little Big Brother. <laughs> that's fucked up. I, you know, I, I'm surprised. I'm really surprised that T.I. let that shit go. In, in, in like, I wouldn't. What you going to tell? Because I feel like it probably was improv and, um, and Big Boy. Just called him that. Thank you. Yes. But you're not gonna tell Big Boy. 
No, no. <laughs> Not when you're coming up, you know, in a game like that. No. Honestly, I'm going to be real with you. Big Boy is on my Mount Rushmore for like scariest villains. <laughs> he is scary as fuck in this film. Okay, question. Yeah. Is Scarface on there? Scarface? The, the rapper? Yes. No. You weren't terrified by his videos back in the day? Nah. I always was. For me? Well, I'm not scared of Big Boy the rapper. But Big Boy in this movie, I was like, yo, I was convinced. Portrayal, like yeah. Scarface used to scare me. Nah, the the only Suge Knight used to scare me and oh, and, yeah. and, and Mr. Biggs used to scare me. That was hell it. yeah. Mr. Biggs Both scared the shit out of me. But then like as I got older, I was like, Mr. Biggs. No, no, must, now I think he's a simp. It, why are you putting it down right if every single girl you have gets snatched up by the R? The aura Of all people, him. Because even, even before I understood mm-hmm. everything that R. Kelly did, yeah. I was not a huge R. Kelly fan. Yeah. Because I'm just like, I didn't like his singing voice. I didn't think it was good. Well, well, well. Yeah, I, I, I wasn't a fan of R. Kelly's singing voice in general. Really? I wasn't. I, this is this isn't this isn't uh, trial hate. No, this is before I understood the magnitude oh of what he did. I wasn't a fan of his voice like that. I never thought R. Kelly could sing. Mm-hmm. And then I guess when I was a teenager, um, I I listened to his stuff because of the antics, okay. like when he did Trapped in the Closet. I was just I like, hated Trapped in the Closet. I was like, he's really silly. But even then, mm-hmm. I didn't understand the magnitude of what people had accused him of doing. Right. Um, at the time, and as I came into understanding, I was like, "Oh hell, no, I ain't listening to him no more." <laughs> but <laughs> back when I was younger, I just didn't like R. Kelly because I didn't like the I didn't like his singing voice. I put him in the same box as Keith Sweat. I'm not gonna allow you to hate. I there's only two people in my life that dislike Keith Sweat, and I'm not gonna let y'all take him from me. This I dude mean, is the you best. Can, you can like him, the, but I can, still like his songs. I'm just on. saying when it comes. When it comes time to list R&B singers yes. that I want to hear, I'm not choosing Keith Sweat. But if he comes on, like if he comes on my little Spotify radio, yeah. I'm not going to change the song, but I'm not choosing that song. You feel me? That is classic fucking music. Nah, and back then it was the same way for R. Kelly. Like, again, before... I understood the magnitude of everything. Yeah. Um, you don't have to give disclaimers, man. You? I do have to give disclaimers because I'm not trying to get canceled. I don't You're want not nobody get canceled, to mis- girl. misconstrue what I'm saying here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want it to be misconstrued. Let me be very clear. You can say you used to like the aura. But I didn't. <laughs> I, I absolutely did not. Like, I, to this day, Yeah. the people who are gung-ho to still listen to him, I'm just like, but y'all really like... like even even taking that off the table, right? Mm-hmm. Y'all really like his voice enough to want to hear it, like <laughs> during your intimate time. Because for me, no. Even if he never did any of that stuff, I would not choose R. Kelly to listen to. Wow, 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 wow. I don't think he's a good singer. I'm sorry, not sorry. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave I it even, at that. I even take the people who sound like him vocally mm-hmm. in small doses. The only exception back in the day was Trey Songz, but you know, he's kind of ruined that for me too. Okay, we're not gonna get into that. <laughs> nah, we'll, we'll be here for a while, and this is not the episode. But yeah, like, mm-mm. um, 
I asked that question about Ant though, uh, about him turning on his brother for the money, because at some point, Marcus was gonna get Rashad. At some point, you have to understand, Rashad. He he's, I gotta give it to him. He has, he's got heart, but he's a little nigga. <laughs> and listen, you can't throw no money in no thug ass nigga's face. Even every time I watch that part where he said, oh, you want your little money? Here you go, nigga. Slaps him with the money. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, nigga, you, you got to die for this. Brandon, Brandon clutched his imaginary pearls just now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, real talk. You got to die for that, nigga. You, 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 you better be every bit of a, a, a tough nigga as you. But it's crazy how, like. Especially in the movies, like mm-hmm. the smallest things will get you killed. Yes, but that wasn't small. That was big. Come on now. Now listen. All right. Is it is it really worth a life? Imagine being in a strip club and some nigga like he's throwing money and then you over here like man stop throwing money over here. I'm trying to eat my wings and nigga comes over here and slaps you with like fifteen dollars in your face. You have to fight that. You have to vanquish him. Fight yes. Kill no. You fight to you fight to the death. No, a lion versus no. a lion, one of us is dying. No, sometimes you just fight to get somebody to shut up. No, no, or you, you fight to say I ain't no damn punk. Yeah, you ain't gonna get your ass whooped in front of a bunch of naked chicks though. Someone's gonna die. It doesn't need to be on <laughs> break a leg, break a finger, knock a tooth out. No, no, you have to. You like, don't have you, to kill. You literally have to render me unconscious in order for me not to go off. You can sneak me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna show. I'm gonna tell all my enemies listening how to do it. You have to either sneak me. You must uppercut me. You may be able to like karate chop one of my jugulars or something like that, <laughs> but you must render me unconscious. If you do not, and we have fisticuffs that have started, fisticuffs. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this, Brandon. Yes. Yes. Can you fight? Yes. You can? Yes. How many fights have you been in? Mm. You don't strike me as a person who gets into a lot of fights. I don't, fights I don't anyway. get into fights often. Um, I've been in probably five or six fights. In your life? In my life. That's not bad. I'm, I don't go around and try to like, hey, would you like to fight real quick? Like, <laughs> if I can't talk my way out of a situation, then I understand. But I will never, ever, allow, like, because I don't, I, I've always been, like, very against bullying and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And the few times that I had to fight, mostly came from a nigga thinking that he could bully. Because for a long time, I had a small-ass body like T.I. Right. I've seen pictures. Brandon was kind of <laughs> like a little dude. <laughs> and, and it was easier for that type of thing to happen. As I've grown and I've watched a lot more karate movies, oh my god, I am Bruce Wayne now. I'm Bruce Wayne. See, um... And the great thing is, I could be lying. But I also could be telling <laughs> could the be. truth. You could be. <laughs> but I could be telling the truth. And that is the gamble. That's the gamble you take every time you get into someone's face. That's why I'm like, yo, T.I., like... He didn't realize that his brother saved his life when he was... Because Marcus was going for that gun. As soon as he saw that uh, Monte Carlo, whatever the fuck he was pushing around town, mm-hmm. as soon as he saw that shit, 
He was about to shoot that nigga. And Amber was like, no, 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 please don't. Don't. Don't do it. The second time he threw money in this nigga's face. And he's like, oh, you, you just hit me in the mouth with some money. Yeah, he had to die at that moment. Ain't no squabbling. No, ain't no. I still don't know how he didn't get shot. And here's the biggest question of them all. What the fuck happened to Marcus after he got shot? After um, Ant got shot? You know he's not in jail. He's living. The, he's he's running the streets. Yeah. So do you think that he went again and tried to kill him? Nah. Because in the grand scheme of things, is it worth you potentially being in jail and not being able to make money, not having freedom for some teenager? Yeah. Yeah. way. So let me ask you this. When it comes to did did you um because I want to I want to go in the direction of Nunu for a second. Nunu, what do you think about Nunu's choice and her friends, the twins? It was strategic. Why? You go to the girls who have the tea on everybody. Mm. And the ones who know everybody, um, and clearly they don't have a lot of parental guidance either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't. So they roam in the streets. They'll get you. They'll get you some clout real right. fast. So I think it was strategic. I do find Nunu to be a tactician. I do find her to put herself in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Rashad said it when they were all chilling at Waffle House. He said. Damn, what's up with that girl, man? She's always she always seems to be around only when we up to something. They didn't know what school she went to or anything. They didn't know nothing about Just her. Just when we kicking it, that's when she comes around. They didn't even know that she would hop on and off the buses. They didn't know her real name. Yes, yes, they didn't know shit about her. And I'm sorry, even even being somebody who grew up in the hood where everybody had a nickname. Yeah, I always knew what their real name. You was. always knew what their real name was. Because, Rashad didn't even know until he found out who she really was. And this is the part, I guess it's like a an oversight in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because in the hood, nine times out of ten, you aren't the first generation to grow up in the hood. Right. Your parents grew up in the hood, and sometimes your grandparents grew up in the hood, too. Which means that your family, about three generations, knows the next person's family for about three generations. Yes. So that means you know people's first name. You know their mama's name, mm-hmm. their mama's real name, yeah, their grandmother, aunts, uncles. Your family knows these other families very, very well. So if you don't have a reference point for Nunu yes. in the hood, right. that should have been a red flag for all those kids. So my question is this. What is, is Rashad... What, do you, what does that say about Rashad for uh, giving up his virginity to Nunu? Without knowing her. <laughs> Without knowing her name. And yeah, I'm just playing about him losing his virginity to her, but like... <laughs> Even even having sex, I'm just like teenagers, teenagers, teenagers. Like he literally calls her Nunu. Like, right? Like you don't want to know her real name, right? Man, I remember, um, I remember this girl in high school, mm-hmm. and she was telling me about how her cousin got pregnant. Her cousin was in high school too. Her cousin got pregnant by some dude, and then the aunt and uncle were like, 
who's the baby father? And she was just like, I don't know his real name. Mm-hmm. His name is Man Man from over east. <laughs> I can imagine it saying like, like it just saying it exactly like that. That's what <laughs> Like that's your, that's your child's dad and you don't even know. It, yeah, that's crazy to me. Like his last name could be Fingelberg. All right, and, you know and what? And then your your kid has that last name. I, I'm starting to think that you know someone with the last name Fingelberg. <laughs> no, not Fingelberg, but something similar. I know a few people. Would you would you stop talking to someone with a weird last name? Um, I'm trying to think of the weirdest last name. Like anybody I broke up with, it was never because of their last name. But okay. there were some guys I dated with their last names, and I was just like, I want us to work out. But if we do, I don't know how I'm gonna deal with this last name. Cause I I knew a kid. I think he was in my high school. Oh no no no! I think he was in um my sister's high school. Cause you know we were at her graduation, and there was a there was a dude named John Condom, and I was like, oh no, I know. I, even when they announced his name and he had to go get his diploma, I heard everybody laughing. I was like, oh man, that really sucks. That fucking sucks. But let's let's talk about let's 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 stay on the path of friends, right? Mm-hmm. Esquire always had a problem with Nunu, even before. He just didn't like her. Yeah. Is it a red flag when your close friend doesn't like who you're with? And a red flag in the sense that do you think that that could brew something down the line? Because it felt like there was times where they hated each other so much that we as adults now can identify that as sexual tension too. Yes. So I, I would say like that could be like you know, of all of Rashad's friends, Esquire would probably be the most um, likely for Aaron to reach out to. Yeah. If, if, uh, if you she know, found into a Mia situation. Right. Right. It would be Esquire. It would be Esquire. I could see that. If, if, if we had a best man moment where, you know, uh, Rashad did something crazy, broke Aaron's heart for some reason. I do think that she would get revenge with Esquire. I can see that. And it's just like, sometimes kids don't get along mm-hmm. as teenagers. So at that age, I don't think that I would necessarily take it to heart that one of my friends doesn't like the person I'm with. Yeah. Because teenagers don't always know how to express. I don't like the fact that you don't have time for me the way that you used to now that you have a girlfriend. Like teens are not going to have that conversation. I feel like as adults, yeah, mature adults who communicate well can have that conversation with their friends and say, "Look, something changed when you got a man, and now you only want to talk to me when y'all having problems." I don't like that. Yeah, but teenagers, you know, they don't want to come across as being too needy, too clingy, or yeah. anything like that. So they're not going to have that conversation. But I do think that that's what it was with Esquire. I see, I see. Um. Kind of back to the twins, and it it does get revealed that they steal they steal a majority of the clothes that they own. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that Nunu stole clothes with her, or do you do you think that that she secretly bought her shit? She secretly bought it. Okay. Do you think that the the twins would steal clothes to keep up with Nunu? Yeah. Okay. So i mean because when i think of the three of them i do think of nunu as the uh the leader of their little group i agree 
And I think that before Nunu came into the picture, the twins were still kind of like the freshest girls in the circle. Freshest hood girls, yeah. Yeah, freshest hood girls. And um, they were stealing their clothes mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And then Nunu comes around and she's like, I have to surpass them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So back to what I was saying about it being strategic, she's probably like, I have to surpass them. Because even somebody who could have a party as successful as Big Booty Judy, mm-hmm. they were still at Big Judy Booty, uh, Big Booty <laughs> Judy's party. <laughs> That's really hard to say. <laughs> Honestly, I think that Big Booty Judy is now Big Judy with the booty. That's a that's another story for another time. But but they were at her party still like criticizing stuff. Yeah. So I think that they were like the popular girls. And even that other girl that Rashad was talking to. Oh, you're talking about um Tay Heckards? Yeah, her character. I don't even Tanya. know she had it. Okay. Um I think she was pretty and desired. I don't think that she was necessarily most popular. No, she was just a hoe. She was a hoe. I know. No. She was a hoe. She she was she was exploring options while she was chasing her boyfriend. She's a fucking mess. She does what a lot of girls think that they sh- should or could do. And it's keeping options. Like, I think but we talked about it. that. She, she did it in a very sloppy way. In a sloppy way. In a sloppy way. She, she would do it to make him jealous. And Rashad is the least jealous nigga in the world. He's got a best friend that goes to an all-white school. He's got another friend that's like 25 years old in high school that <laughs> makes money doing grills. He has another friend that came from somewhere else. So, of course, he has his, like, New York attention on him. Mm-hmm. Rashad was a laid-back motherfucker. He's he like, I'm, I'm good in my lane. Yeah, he's selfless as fuck to all his friends. He doesn't mind driving his friend all the way out of town to school every day. He doesn't mind giving all his money to his brother. He doesn't mind living with his uncle. He doesn't mind, His you know, job wasn't glamorous no, at all. No, it wasn't glamorous. You know, so there's a lot of things about Rashad that are admirable, but Tanya thought that the only way to get his attention would be to push him away and then to like flaunt some other nigga in his face. And he's like, man, forget that shorty. And and then like when somebody's already not checking for you, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do. Throwing yeah, throwing somebody else in their face is not gonna do anything. That's why I I, I love seeing my ex's stuff not work over the years <laughs> i didn't take you as one of those guys <laughs> I, I literally like i will i will see I, like they will like say things over the over the years or or you know just so happen to hopefully i can see it online or something i'm like <laughs> i don't care i don't care our time is gone and passed you can have fun you can do better than me one day hopefully but but stop getting great value versions of me. I will only laugh mm-hmm. at you. I will laugh at you. And she, Tanya is the type that probably did that. She probably got another 120-pound nigga that looked like Rashad. But you saw who she was with. She was with the guys from the other crew. Right. The other skate crew. Exactly. I think the one she where wanted everybody a nigga was like dying. Him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what's crazy. Oh, yeah. How are you going to bring the ops up in here and, and make you're gonna me... You're going to go with somebody that you know Rashad will see you with and mm-hmm. then somebody that is their competition because you think it's going to sting, but it didn't work. No. He didn't care. Not at all. Not at all. Um, 
think it was a bit symbolic too, for real life. As okay. like Tay Hackard kind of moving out of the spotlight as the it girl of that time. Oh, she disappeared then, from the movie. And then Lauren London coming in. <laughs> it was a bit symbolic. Um, at the skating rink. Um. Well, did you know that the uh, the movie was originally supposed to be called Jelly Bean? Oh, is that like a skating rink name? That's one of skating rink's name, but that's also Ant's nickname in the movie. I don't know why they didn't explore that much. Because I remember mm-hmm. when um, Rashad was narrating the start of the movie, he said it, but it was never referenced again. Um, do you think that skating rink and the culture behind it you could tell that it's a very powerful thing in the environment in in the uh, in the community, but remember the big pileup that happened in the middle of the movie where uh, everyone on the skating crews they slipped because a, a vent was dripping on yes. the on the thing and all of them fell and then Rashad jumped over them like fucking Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have sued the shit out of that skating rink. Easy. That is literally negligence, yo. I mean, you could try, but most gangs have a big ass sign that says "skate at your own risk." It don't mean that they can make it risky, though. A dripping vent? Nah. You you should ride a roller coaster at your own risk too. But if one of them carts come loose while you're doing a loop, are you gonna prove that it's from the vent? It could easily be from a kid. We saw it. <laughs> I mean, we saw it. Yeah. But when it comes down to proving it, can you prove it? I will send a Facebook message to Rashad today. Oh, my god! And I will represent him in court. I will. You went from being a witness to, <laughs> to being the attorney? <laughs> oh, God. Shit. Um, let's talk about Uncle George. Why you roll your eyes at Uncle George? That man is that man made a sacrifice. He was a bachelor living his life and he went to go take care of two little niggas that he ain't had nothing to do with. He was a bachelor living his life. Mm-hmm. He was a dreamer. Was he, there evidence that his life was better before yes. the kids? Yes. He wasn't a father. He wasn't a father once he moved in the house with them. No, he was a he father was a figure. He was a guardian. He was a guardian. Who he was had there a responsibility so for two the kids, two kids now. The system. He literally went from having no kids to having two. But he still wasn't raising them. He wasn't doing the work of raising them. No, Rashad was raising his brother, right. but no one was raising Rashad. And no one was raising Rashad, just like you said. Be, okay, let me see if I can put it this way. What's the likelihood of like you coming into like? Let's say you had to date somebody, and then. There's a 15-year-old there. You're not going to be raising that 15-year-old. You're going to be first trying to win them over. And two, trying not to be like... Like, you're going to have your boundary set. A kid is too established by that point. Well, you know, that's the actual situation. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like, I'm just... I don't want to say I'm just there. Because <laughs> that's yeah. not how it is. But it's just kind of like they have their own thing already. And I'm... Yes. I'm like an auxiliary person. And so my thing is, Uncle George had to move in. And now he had to provide a living. Um, And he lives a life of regret in doing so. He says, you don't see women coming all up in through here. 
You don't see me living out my dreams. He's had he had dreams for he had a vision for himself. I think that no, I I don't think that that's. I don't think he had a plan, but I think he had a vision for himself. I think that the boys are a convenient excuse for him to be mediocre. I honestly do. You think so? Yes. Okay. Here's a question that I had during the film while we were watching it, and I'm gonna run it by you now. Okay. Do you think the cleaning business was his business or Rashad's family's business? I want to say the movie says it was the parents' business. And it's his but sister. But I could be tripping. Because it was, he's, Uncle George is Rashad's mom's brother. Mm-hmm. So the last name doesn't match George's last name. It doesn't match George's? No. So then that business is their father's business that he inherited? Had to have been. That's mm-hmm. what I think. That's what I think. Um, Which makes it, oh God. Maybe, maybe he worked for them before they passed away. And then with them being gone, he took it over. That could be. I didn't think of that because for some reason I wanted to say that Uncle George lived far from them, but maybe not. So we can say that Uncle George has always been close to the family then, if that's the case. I'm even willing to say that Uncle George was living in that basement apartment. Like he was living in Rashad's room before. Yes. And so now he's in the master bedroom. Rashad's room is clear and still in his room. And Rashad now has the basement. Yeah. It's just like seeing Uncle George, even with the kids, I feel like he was that brother that needed the extra push. Okay. In order to be great. And then with his sister, who I'm assuming his sister and brother-in-law, who I'm assuming were that force to push him. You know, with them being gone, it's just kind of like, now you're doing the bare minimum. But I didn't even get guardian and, you know, children from that exchange, from any of the exchanges. It felt more like roommates, except that your roommates are minors and they're related to you. Mm -hmm. That's what I got. I didn't feel like Uncle George made serious sacrifice because he's like, he doesn't have women walking all through the house. Can you pull women? To walk all through the house. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think so. And let's let's be clear. When Uncle George finally this does my get a girl. House. Huh? This is my dad. This <laughs> my daddy house. Here, let's be clear. <laughs> Let's be clear, man. This my daddy house. Um, <laughs> um when Uncle George finally does get a girl though. Mm-hmm. Um, she old as fuck. <laughs> she old. She she an old sugar mama type. A cougar. Oh, cougar. You know, and he seemed happy, a little too happy, because I think yet again he's gonna cash in. I think he's an opportunistic person. Yes. I think that he cashed in on a business. I think he cashed in on a house. I think he cashed in on an inheritance. I think he cashing in with this lady. I think yeah. that's where he figures his life is now, is just cashing in, putting in minimal effort, and then walking away with the bag. Yep. Um, do you think that he moved that woman in, or he moved in with the woman? He moved that woman in. He moved that woman in? Yeah. Because he's about to have a solid, what, four years without Rashad being in the house? Yeah, but Ann got to sleep there at night, hearing some old ladies' cheeks get clapped. Mm-mm. 
Mm-mm. Nah, man. I guess. I guess. I'm going to leave it at that, though. Um, <laughs> I never realized how much I despised uh, Nunu's portrayal of a, of a Southern accent. It's bad. It's annoying. Man. It's bad. It's really bad. She shouldn't have done that. And that should have been another giveaway. Should have been another one. I'm just like, thinking about growing up in Harlem, right? Yeah. There were certain things that were just red flags. Like how we we didn't know the vocabulary for gentrification as kids, but mm. we knew that something bad or something different, let me say that to be you know more neutral, mm-hmm. but something was about to shift. Because it went from being no white people in our neighborhood mm-hmm. to like every other week. You see these white people just walking in our neighborhood. Yeah. That was a red flag because we didn't have white people in our neighborhood like that. We saw white people come into our schools for special assemblies. And then we saw white people when we went to the doctors. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. Business owners. Um, ev- almost every business that we went into it was a person of color, predominantly black, but people of color own the businesses. Mm-hmm. That's who we saw walking. So if you see like this Caucasian person, yeah, you see one Caucasian person, you're like, okay, maybe they're lost or maybe, you know, they have important business <laughs> in Harlem. But then <laughs> you start seeing white people every week and you're yeah. just like, wait a minute what is going on <laughs> what's going on around here and even the kids noticed it so my thing is there were so many red flags about Aaron. how did y'all not suspect that something was off with her okay except for esquire because i think esquire was always on it yeah but here's the thing because rashad always had red flags up with nunu and he, he always them. questioned he always noticed them um even when um you know they were alone in that car ride when he was taken into the bus stop. Mm-hmm. He had these questions in his head. He was like, "Why is you? Why is you taking a bus this late at night? Mm-hmm. Where you stay? Why don't Why don't you want me to? You know why you Why you want me to drop you off across the street? Like, like what's going on? Something's not adding up. So Rashad always had these questions. Mm-hmm. The problem is what he does. What a lot of women do: ignore the red flags, ignore yeah. the intuition, ignore all of that shit. Because he was caught up. She was fine. Listen, this role made her like, it made her career But you know, as what? the pretty girl. I'm sitting here thinking about Rashad's character. And I think that Rashad had a level of, let's say, how can I put it? He had a void. He could, he could no, I'm saying mm. like he could read the room. Okay. He could read the room. And I don't I know, because he threw that money in that gangster's face. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he wanted to make a statement in that moment. But I think that generally speaking, Rashad can read a room or figure out like his friends, like something's up with his friends. Okay. Um, I think that maybe dropping Nunu off at the bus stop, he probably figured like, look, there's a part of her that she doesn't want me to know about and she might be embarrassed about where she comes from, where she really comes from. But I don't think he knew it was like that, like the the opposite of what he was thinking. Like like she was like super poor? Super poor. But she always dressed so nice. But she's also pretty. She could have been getting that from whomever. I'm glad you just said that. Here's my question. Okay. 
the more she comes around, mm-hmm. the more she gets noticed. Eventually, she would have crossed paths with Marcus. Do you think Marcus would have snatched that up? Yeah, or somebody on his team. Okay. Just I, I want to put that out I'm real like, quick. She's she's young, so yeah. I don't necessarily know that it would have been Marcus himself, but somebody. Oh no, it would have been Marcus himself. I'm speaking Marcus? for I'm 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 representing Marcus right now. Mm. He would have he would have gone for that. Once she was legal, maybe. What? We're not talking as like smarter adults, woke adults. Now we're we're talking realistically. That's a good. He would have snatched her ass. Yeah, so maybe it would have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He would have been the older guy driving by the school. Yes. Okay, I can see that. In that big ass pickup truck. Yeah, hands down. Hands down. Okay, I'm gonna go here now. Um, Mr. Garnett. He is a very intelligent individual and he has his ideas for what he wants his daughter to do and be mm-hmm. based on the level of success that he attained after his, you know, after his, you know, pretty much uh, life in the hood, right? He meets Esquire. Uh, Esquire is working a job. I, I think he was like working in like a catering hall or something like that. And um, of course, Esquire, he knows who this guy is because he's read many articles on him. Mm-hmm. He looks up to him. And it's very flattering to have a young man come up to you and tell you about your successes. Yeah. It's very, it's very like that. That is like probably the greatest form of flattery you can have is when you have a fan. And I think it would have meant more to Mr. Garnett too, if he would have known where Esquire was actually from. Right. I think so. I think that Esquire not being, um, on it. Well, it's not even, is it? I think Esquire omitting that part of his story. He had to, he did not have to. You mean with Mr. Garnett? Yes. His, that would have put his job in jeopardy. No. That would have put his schooling in jeopardy. His school, I understand why he didn't tell. I don't understand why he didn't tell Mr. Garnett because even in that moment where he said, oh, you've been in the black for the last three months. I think you have a lot to celebrate, sir. He's like, oh, okay, motherfucker. Thank you. Thank you. The next time they saw each other was at the golf center, at the golf, the country club. I think that where they were, it was an all-inclusive country club that Garnet, you know. Yeah, so he, both, yeah, both times were at the country club. Right. And the next time he saw him, you know, he needed a stand-in for a caddy because, you know, their caddy called in sick or whatever. And they were going to go without a caddy and they don't like to do that. At that point, they were starting to bond because he could also play golf. That's a mm-hmm. quote-unquote rich man sport. That's something that kids in the hood do not do. It is not in there. We we have tennis, but we have nothing but tennis courts and basketball courts down here. There are no golf holes for kids. There's golf holes everywhere here, down here, Mm -hmm. but it's not something that hood kids go to. I've never seen it. So my thing is at any time he could have been like, you know what, Mr. Garnett, you're such an inspiration to me. I actually grew up where you grew up and I want to get where you're going. Like that wouldn't have been a bad, that wouldn't have been an indictment. He would have been like, listen, I see a lot of myself think, in you. I don't think the issue was with Mr. Garnett. I think it might have been with the other people Esquire. he was playing with. 
um, and having those types of conversations where they can be in the earshot. Yeah, but you have to understand when you get to Mr. Garnett's level, everyone knows where you came from. They knew that Garnett came from that, yes. even if he doesn't want to say it. Yes, but if let's say somebody doesn't care for Esquire like that and they're in an earshot of this conversation and they find out that Esquire is from the hood or they have any They don't want inkling, him around here. Right. They have any inkling that Esquire is not who he's been saying he is. Mm-hmm. Then he loses his job, which is paying for his school, if I'm not mistaken. And then he loses the ability to go to school there. Mm. Yeah. So I think it was too much of a risk for him to tell him there. Now, at uh, at his house, when he finally made it to his house, that would have been a good time to have that conversation. I'm glad you said that. How did he not peep Rashad dropping him off in that car with them boys? Because he has people to manage the security, so he's not looking at but, the security camera. I mean, but here's my thing. You invite someone to your house, you better know what the heck is going on inside and outside. And you have to understand, I do think that he was grooming Aaron for Esquire. That was my next point that I was going to come up with. I believe that Mr. Garnett was grooming Aaron for Esquire. Because remember when, you know, he announced that she was coming downstairs and everything Mm -hmm. and presented. He didn't introduce them. He presented his daughter to Esquire. And then when, you know, Aaron was setting up the, the dinner table, whatever, for everybody, he left them two alone for a long time. And you think it was on purpose? Yes. Me too. Yes. I do think it was on purpose. Um, I do think that... Um, My parents... What was that? I was like, I've been in those situations before. Oh, and no. I don't want to necessarily say it was like my parents trying to do it, but other people's parents mm-hmm. tried to put me in the same room with their sons. Church people? You know it. Oh, <laughs> you, you know, don't say. You know it. You don't say. Um, Put me in the same room with their, their sons. Uh-huh. So that, you know, maybe something could spark between you two love in the air. It never really worked out like that. Mm. I think the one time that I gave into a relationship that somebody's mom tried to start, Mm -hmm. it was bad. And the breakup was equally bad. Mm. Um, And he blew it for anybody else who ever tried that after him. Wow. Yeah. Like his mom came up to me. When I was going to the bathroom. Whoa. It was like, yeah, I have these two sons. And I don't think she cared which one that I chose. Or were they significantly different in age or something? I think they were like five years apart. Yo, that mom is wildin'. That's crazy. She was wildin'. Um, Just offering up poor little boys. She was, and then she was like, yeah, I think my one son likes you, but I have two sons and I'm just like, How desperate is that shit? It seemed desperate to me then. Yeah. It really did. <laughs> and I mean, if her son wasn't cool, then, you know, we wouldn't have become friends and then eventually date. But I thought it was desperate then. She really presented it like you can have your pick of my sons. Just mm. pick one. Yeah. Mm-mm. That's a little, uh, that's a little creepy. That's a little creepy. Um, well, listen, it happens and people don't, I don't think people want to talk about how I wouldn't call them arranged marriages, but coerced marriages. 
<laughs> happen in the United States to this day where parents they they put their kids in certain environments so that other kids can be in, like they put their kids in somebody's line of vision so they can be chosen. Mm. And that's what uh, Mr. Garnett was doing. And and his inability to speak to girls and then suddenly he got a little bit of money and he was fucking Rico Suave, right? Mm-hmm. He got his love or his lust for the game first by watching Marcus pull up in his car, but then reinforced it when his friend that he knew from third grade was at the pool that day getting water out of the pool. I mean, getting money out of the pool mm-hmm. and going to dry it off. This guy, uh, I believe his name, his real name is uh, Marquise Moore. Moore. From, he was in Snowfall and in BMF. I think he's another one of Mano's variants. <laughs> he is. He's the he's the Green Buyer <laughs> international version. If we say Khalil Kane is the Khalil Kane is like great the, value. He's the great value. He's the Earth six one six version of Mano, and Mano is like, you know, he's, I, he's the name brand version. Yeah, of Mano. yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I just seen Mano on uh, Joe Budden's podcast. So I'm like, God damn! Like this dude has at least three variants walking in this earth right now. <laughs> Mano just has one of those faces, though, like. You're going to see somebody who looks like Mano in every hood. In fact, I even think little Russy is probably one of his variants, too. <laughs> <laughs> they all have that, like, I am robot face. Like You it's could like... have given me a warning. I was not ready. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like, it's they, they all look like creative players on, like, an old wrestling game. Like, it's like this generic ass face. You know, uh, you know how they do black people. Oh, days. my God. They rob us. Yo, <laughs> you either get the Mano face or the fucking Coolio face. That's it. And you uh, got to do what you can with the hair. You, you get the dude from, uh, you know, the, the dude from the 90s that was in every cartoon, every black cartoon with the little high top fade. Oh, my God. Sco- uh, Skeeter? No, not Skeeter, but like the dude from the Burger King Kids Club. Oh, him and the dude from Recess and the dude from, um, yes. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Captain Planet. <laughs> uh, what else was he in? Um, 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 Magic School Bus. Yes. It was the same fucking guy. That guy had the most amazing life ever. And the real life version of that is Mano. Yes. The light skin version, right? Yes. Mano. Yo, that cartoon character was literally everywhere. He he, he would drive in a fucking magic school bus up your asshole, and then he would put on a <laughs> ring and move the earth. You know that one. So one of <laughs> one of the other homies, Sherm, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that picture he had. Oh, of the asshole. <laughs> Magic school bus. <coughs> that scene from Magic school bus is the same thing. Yo, man. Yo, Miss Frizzle. She she should definitely She's be locked wild. up. Yo, she is wild. We're in the urethra now. It's like, oh my god, yo. Like, why do we have to see the inside of this, yo? <laughs> this is where sperm is created. I was about to say, thank you, Magic School Bus, for not showing us the reproductive cycle. Oh, you know right now, if 2022, if they bring it back, it's it's it's, all, it's on it and popping. They brought it back for recent days? Yes. Where have you been? I haven't been on that website. I think it came back like two, three years ago, actually. Oh, they're going to show us like what no, chlamydia does not, and oh stuff? Oh, my gosh. They're not going to show us that. I don't need... I they mean, have to. I don't want my kids to learn it that way. Like, what... I mean, I think it would be kind of dope if they showed... Like what diseases do to the body. 
in a kid friendly show in a kid friendly show but it i don't think Next here's the thing kid. but here's the thing here is the thing and i i don't want to depart from atl we'll come back i promise but there's no such thing as kid friendly anymore. If if we have agendas saying, oh, kids should be able to understand this. Kids should be able to understand that. There are different people in the world, this, that, and the other. Then there's no more fucking kid friendly and there's no more fucking censorship. Fine. I'm cool with it. Listen, my kids have heard me cuss. And my little one, she was like, oh, what does this mean? And I'm like, wait, don't you ever say that. That's my job to do that. Yeah. But they're going to hear this stuff. They're going to see this stuff. But I'm just saying, I don't want my kids to learn from a cartoon. I know, because there was a lot. There was a back. There was a backlash. I think there was a New York teacher that was literally showing kids like cartoon, quote unquote, porn as educational. Say what? Yeah, it was. It was wild. It was like a whole like they were sh- they were learn- learning about anal sex. They were learning all, all kinds of stuff. And this was kindergarten. And let me let me be clear. Like I'm a parent who teaches my kids. Um, age-appropriate sex ed, uh-huh. even from now. So the conversation right now is just making sure that they have the accurate names for body parts. Yeah, anatomy and, names, yeah. And they understand consent. Yeah. That's where we are with our conversation right That's now. That's where you need to be. Um, But when we get to the point where I know that their peers in school are going to be talking about and unfortunately even having sex. Yeah then I want to have real conversations with them. I don't want it to seem glamorized by a cartoon. I want to be able to have the actual conversation with them. And I want to be able to put it in what I understand to be language that they would understand. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So I don't want a cartoon to do it. I, I listen, if Miss Frizzle gets a hold of them kids, there's no telling where they're going to end up. <laughs> I need them to under, like, I need my kids to understand, like, no, this is serious. It's it's not for play play. Yeah. Like, they're not little polka dots you can just wash off. Um, <laughs> you, you're going to get something and you might not be able to get rid of it. So I need you to understand mm-hmm. this is serious and you need to protect yourself. Yeah. Now, I want to I want to kind of like use that um that main ovarian to kind of <laughs> to kind of address something else. Um. Because even even Ant was surprised that um, the the variant he was skimming some money from Marcus, mm-hmm. and it was only a couple dollars here and there, but Marcus knew right away, mm-hmm. and he beat him up badly, and he reminded him, "I have a three point six GPA in high school. I'm not one of these dumb motherfuckers." Mm-hmm. You thought you was gonna get over on me. I let you, I let you do it long enough for me to be beating your ass like this now. To make sure that it wasn't a fluke, right? Because they were cousins. They were cousins, and he said, "You better not tell my parents either." Now, here's the thing, and that also shows me that he has a vast duality. At home, he's like the good guy. Mm-hmm. Hey, mom, how are you? You know, let me help you with the plates. And you know, in that moment that too, I think that uh, Marcus was also mad because he's like, "You're my little cousin. I probably he probably would have just looked out for him." Yeah. If his cousin would have said, "Look, I need some extra money." Yeah. This isn't enough for yeah. what you know what I'm trying to do. As a big cousin, like you have little cousins, don't you? Yeah. Your little cousin comes to you and asks you for mm-hmm. anything. You're mm-hmm. just like, I don't even think I have it right now, but let me see what I can do. Yeah. 100%. And that could have been the conversation. 
But 100%. the fact that you went behind my back and you were trying to steal and play me for a dummy, I probably would have whipped his ass too. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. And this kind of goes beyond, but do you do you recall how Marcus was prepping Ant and kind of grooming him to want to make the decision to be his his uh, D boy and saying, Listen, this ain't no this ain't no little boy stuff. This this is this is grown man business mm-hmm. here. And you have to understand what it is. And he tried to show him a day in the life of what he does, right? Right. And he wanted to make sure. He was getting consent every step of the way. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure you ready for this shit because this shit is not sweet. My brain now takes me to the point where I believe that he set up those boys jumping him. Remember that passive ass takedown that he had mm-hmm. where the guy came behind him, put him in a little chokehold. They ran his pockets and then they le- they softly placed him on the floor and left. Yeah. I've never seen. Listen, I am a nigga with drugs and money on me. And you you, you do that shit to me. You, you place me down on the floor. <laughs> I would be I would be I would sit up as these niggas scurried off. Now, nah, one of y'all niggas got to shoot me. Because there's no way I can go back to Marcus knowing that I got placed on the floor. <laughs> At least shoot me. But one, You got a gun, right? You got a gun? Shoot me, please. Real quick. Just pop. Black in my eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit me. These ni- that was the <laughs> most passionate and intimate beatdown I've ever seen in my life. If you watch ATL again, watch the part when Ant... He, he's on the corner by himself. All his boys are gone. And these 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 nice thug ass niggas. These are the nicest niggas. <laughs> the nice thugs. I wish I was. Listen, if I ever get robbed, I've never been robbed before. If I get robbed, those are the niggas you need to send to me. Because those niggas were generous. They didn't even ruffle up his shirt or nothing. They just, one guy came behind him and held his neck. So he wouldn't like, you know, you're just holding him gently, mm-hmm. passionately. It's okay. It's okay. Just let him go in your pockets real quick, okay? He's going to go in your pocket now. Oh, you got money in there? Okay, how much is it? Count it in front of him. All right, he's going to take that, okay? What's in your other pocket? Oh, you have some drugs? Oh, boy. You're so good. Thank you. I'm going to place you on the floor now, okay? You just sit here. Just shh. Okay. And you're going to wait 20 seconds. You're going to wait. Before you get up. You got to cover your cover your eyes and count it. You're going to do it like <laughs> you ever seen Clueless before when she got robbed? Oh, Yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> and, he t- <laughs> and he tells her to like count backwards or whatever. Oh, it, it's just like uh, what was that? Um, the last uh, season of Insecure. Remember when they got robbed mm-hmm. by that chick that was like the one the girl that the they setup? knew. Yes, yeah. that was a clear setup. Mm-hmm. It wasn't to take the money. It wasn't to scare him. It was to make him more hungry to get back out there. Mm-hmm. You know, the second time he did that, yeah, when he paid off Aunt's homeboy. Remember the kid that kept asking him, hey, you got anything? And Aunt, at first, Aunt was like, I don't know what she's talking about. Come on, man. I heard you got it. I heard you got the stuff. Nah, man. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, man. A couple days later. Come on, man. I see you out here. You shining, man. Put me on. All right. All right. I guess, man. All right. So what do you want? That same day. The cops came to his locker and found his stash. He ends up in juvie or jail or whatever. Who bails him out? Marcus. Mm-hmm. He sets these things up. 
a lot of bosses, a lot of a lot of drug dealers, a lot of leaders will set up the most hungry people in their in their uh in their group, in their little whatever, to make them more hungry to produce. Yeah, it's just like, like testing up. testing to see their loyalty as well. It's like every time they used to write me up at, at work, man, I'd be sitting in there like I vow to be on time now. I'm coming early now. I wouldn't, but I would. Like the first week, like I used, I, I used to have a lot of trouble getting to work on time because you know I'd have to drop my kids off or this or that, and then I got pulled into the office and they're like, Brandon, look at this. This is all the days you've been late. Like honestly, every every three times you're late, it could be considered an inexcused absence. Mm-hmm. And right now you have like fifty three inexcused absences. So, I mean, oh. honestly, <laughs> honestly, you know, we could have, we could have let you go now. I'm like, listen, listen to me. I vow never to be late again. I swear I'll be here early. And I was there early for a little bit. I was, I, I, I would be there at like, you know, 8.53 instead of nine o'clock and shit. You know, I was, I was on a straightened arrow, but it scared the shit out of me. And I think he needed to scare the shit out of Ant because he knew that Ant had the want, but he needed him to have the need right. to be out on the streets. Because in order to do what you do well, especially in the drug game, you've got to have your head on a fucking swivel. And unfortunately, Ant was not raised in an environment where his head was on a swivel. He was just no. envious of the money part. And yeah, his brother doing everything. Right. And I was going to say that too. Like, this is probably the most money. Yes. That he's had at one time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going from having no money to having this amount of money. Well, I'm sorry. He was working. Yeah. But he was also blowing his money. What do you think he was blowing his money on, though? Teenager stuff. Like, you're going to Waffle House with your friends after school. It was food. It was basically food money. Those big ass cubic zirconias he had in his ear. (laughs) <laughs> probably his sneakers and you know just general uh stuff because you know uncle george wasn't buying the wants that they had they ain't even had no cereal in the house right uncle george was doing some bullshit mm-hmm. you could tell he was one of those niggas that eat in the car mm-hmm. <laughs> yep stop at chick-fil-a <laughs> yeah and and eat your food in the car before you come in the house mm-hmm. yeah one of those um because i remember like just being that age and having I had a really good job when I was like, like 13, 14. Mm-hmm. I was a teacher's assistant at a daycare. And me and my best friend at the time, we were making more money than any of the other kids who had summer jobs that year. Mm. Like, our checks were nice. Because it was through the city, like Baltimore City. Yeah, yeah. Nice-ass checks. So, mm. we would get paid and we would be in the nail salon getting full sets and pedicures. And, well, not eyebrows. She would get eyebrows. But we would get, like, the works done on our nails and then we would still have money left over Mm. and not like just twenty dollars we would have a lot of money left over to do whatever we wanted to like those little checks i was making some some money money yeah and you figure too like i had my ties coming out then i was giving money for offering at church then going to the nail salon and buying food at work and i still had money like to last me until the next check because at this time i'm a teenager and all of my actual needs are being taken care of by my parents mm. those are some nice checks i can imagine thinking that i got it made 
and the hunger is not there. Okay. Um, I'm going to move to this, this, to this topic. Um, and it's about and it's about um, <clears throat> it's about influences um, now I, I found it ironic in the, in the loving takedown portrayal of, of uh, Ant for his uh, his money and his drugs mm-hmm. they were playing a song called Motherless Child in the background and I found it to be very fitting. But here's the thing. We often talk about how lost people are, you know, boys and girls, when a father isn't present. But let's be real. Both Rashad and Ant are not dealing with the loss of a father figure. They're dealing with the loss of their mother. Yeah. And it comes it comes full circle in the fact that Rashad doesn't even have to know Nunu's real fucking name. He is going with what his heart feels when he looks at her. Mm-hmm. And he is making up everything as he goes along about it. He lives in this perfect world with her cuz he's still imagination led. He still has that childhood imagination about him which Mm -hmm. is what leads him to draw what he draws but he drew this entire life for them he mapped it out he had a whole like remember in the end where it showed his like uh, cartoon sketches being published imagine he was probably sitting and doodling nunu's name all over a fucking book yeah over and And over i never really thought about it like that like there aside from nunu there was no female nurturing None. Shad's life. None. And not even from the teachers. Not even from the teachers. Not from Tanya. Not from anybody. There was no female influence at all. Nunu was the closest thing to a mother that he had. Because she was naturally very nurturing. Mm-hmm. She was very supportive of him. She was very appreciative of him. She told him that she felt he was special. Yes. Which is probably something he hadn't heard, Never heard since, his, his, since mom his mom passed. And people have to understand that... Those things they weigh a lot on somebody. When you Especially when you have a void, age. yes, when you have a void, and someone used to do something for you, like this is this is, people don't talk about this with with dads, but like you know how you know you'll hear a lot of guys say, oh you know I'm, I'm gonna take her out on dates, uh, take my daughter out on dates so she knows how a man should treat her. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that, okay, now you're teaching me what a real man does, right? Cool. Most men know how to push the chairs and open doors. If he does that, oh, he's the one. Okay, great. My dad did this. He mm-hmm. said that a real man's supposed to do this. You're a real man because you opened the door for me. Wow. And you know that we've had this conversation before. And I yeah. said that's why when I spend time with my boys, I do not frame it as a date. Exactly. It's not a date. Yeah. You're spending time with your mom. You're spending time. That's it. That's it. Because I don't, I don't want to... Put it in my kid's head that they have to find somebody like me. I want them to find somebody that is compatible for them. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever that looks like, let it be that. Like, you don't have to say, oh, I I would like her, but she doesn't make my mac and cheese like my mom does. So what? So what? Mm-hmm. 
she doesn't need to is she nice to you does she respect you does she care about your interests and things like that is she genuinely looking to make your life happier right <laughs> like those types of things are important not oh you don't do this the way my mom does yeah no no I'm sorry, that's my little tangent of the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, he went and bought Nunu a chain. From the pawn shop. From the pawn shop, but it said Nunu on it, didn't it? I thought it was just like a little, maybe harder. No, I think it said, oh, no, it might have been a little harder emblem. Um, let's see if I can find that bit. I think she had jewelry that said Nunu. She had jewelry that said Nunu. Okay, yeah. So he got her a heart. His heart. Right? And this is the iconic scene of him snatching that chain right off her neck. Give me back my chain. <laughs> Give me back my chain. And here's my thing. Now, I know you. Okay. How did you look at his friends? For not stepping in. With that exchange, I didn't want them to step in. I wanted them to go in the house. Go in the house. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. What if she said, give me back my chain? And he said, man, bitch, get the fuck out of here. And then she runs up and tries to take the chain back from him. And he backhands her. How do we get here? This is rated <laughs> R ATL. Okay, okay, because, okay. okay, I'm happy you said it because I'm like, I think that if this whole movie would have played out in real, in real life, life, it would have been a little bit different. It would have been a little different. Yes, I, I do agree. I don't think that Rashad as a person from what we've seen yeah. would have hit Nunu. I don't think that would have happened. But I do think that the language would have been a little bit spicier. Yes. Yeah. For sure. But let's say he did. Let's say he did backhand her oh, Lord. and she went flying. I mean, it was a simple backhand, but she flew over the car. But how did we get here? We got here because she went for that chain and he said, uh-uh. If he was another type of dude. Yeah. Then, yeah, I would definitely expect the guys to step in. You but would expect it, but you would know that they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't have stepped in. What movie were in. we talking about? And they were just like, that's their problem or what? I don't remember what movie it was. Oh, um, that was uh, Poetic Justice when Tupac was seeing, uh, right, right, right. Get, you know. Right. Um, yeah, but in this movie with them just exchanging words, like mm -hmm. as it happened in the movie, I didn't expect them to jump in and stop anything because mm -hmm. they're exchanging words. It's a heated argument between people who were in a relationship and mm -hmm. they're teenagers. Yeah. Except for uh, Jason Weaver. <laughs> Everybody else was a teenager. They're not going to do that. Like, I got into an argument with the ex-boyfriend one time in front of his boy's house. Mm -hmm. And his boy stepping. <laughs> his boy was like, I'm going to stay out of it. I'm going to go in the house. Yeah. Let y'all work out, whatever. Yeah. Just don't be too loud because I don't need my neighbors looking at us like that. Yeah. You know, we black folks. Yeah. That was it. But he he took his ass in the house. <laughs> like, I bet. I don't have any parts of this. Mm. Now, here's my thing. Um, because it could have gone there. And most situations it did. But here's the genius of Rashad. Because right away. Well, that's not even it. 
because he was stewing over this. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was that moment that he connected the dots between Esquire and Aaron? Because he, as soon as he went in the house, Esquire, of course, followed him in, being his best friend. Hey, man, you okay? Hey, yo, say, man, that was you. That was you that went to her house. I remember seeing the license plate on the car. Mm-hmm. That's Garnett's daughter, ain't it? He put that shit together quick. In a fit of anger, he put that together. So but there's no telling. Car before. Right. There's no telling how smart Rashad really is, is what I'm saying. Because for him, in a fit of anger over Aaron, to put together that Esquire already knew who she was and didn't say anything. Do you think, okay, what do you think would have been different if Esquire had been like, hey, um, I just saw Nunu, and her name is actually Aaron, and she lives in a rich-ass place. The place you dropped me off, she that's her. That's her house. I honestly don't think that Rashad would have believed him. You don't think he would have believed him? No, because Esquire already has an issue with Nunu. So you think he would have, like, unfriended Esquire? No, I don't think it would have been an unfriending. I would have think, I would think that, like, Rashad would need more proof. There probably would have been a plan devised to catch Nunu in the lie. Mm. But I don't think Rashad would have believed him first time. Mm. Okay. Um... I have a quick question for you. Okay. And it, and it goes to how Nunu became attracted to Rashad or deepened her attraction to Rashad mm-hmm. when they had that discussion, especially about his parents. Are women more susceptible to men that appear deep and broken? Hmm. I think this is a twofold kind of question. Okay. Because like the twins... Mm-hmm. I think that Nunu was strategic in picking Rashad. You think so? I think so. Because even though she had, the, even though she had, he, he, she had to compete with at some point Tanya. Because if you're saying that she was strategic, that means that she also would have known that Tanya would have been in the balance somewhere. Would she have known that? Because I feel like if they broke up and Nunu's not in school with them, she might not know that. Yeah, but Tanya's always around. Tanya's always trying to get Rashad's attention, and if she was watching this. Because I do think that Nunu is a watcher. She would have had to know that she was going to have to, you know, compete with her at some point. And I'm very surprised to this day at the Big Booty Judy uh, party. She went head to head with Tanya Mm -hmm. and was like, you don't want none of this shit over here. I'm like, Nunu, you can't fight. (laughs) Tanya looked like someone that scratched with females. But luckily, she banked on Rashad. Breaking them up mm-hmm. and pushing her away. Rashad doesn't want the extra drama. Of course. Um, but so think, you think that she foresaw all of that is what I'm saying? Not necessarily the fight. I think mm-hmm. she probably thought it was just as simple as how it operates in her world. Like, if I want this man, I can have him. You think Rashad was her bo- first boyfriend? No. You think she was just getting these little white boys led and right, huh? I think her dad probably set her up a probably, couple times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's probably a debutante and everything and had her little uh presentation to society. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Met, met some uh some suitors that way. I think so. But I think that she was strategic in choosing Rashad so that she can get clout. And I think that if she would have chosen Marcus, that would have been too much like she knew that that would probably end up in her dad's lap. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Like her dad would find out and shut that down. So she needed somebody who was safe, mm-hmm. but had enough street cred to validate her in this area. And Rashad was that. And then she ultimately fell for him. This movie was geared up to make Skate Wars the most important thing of this film. Uh, I now look at the film as if it was like kind of unorganized because they were building up towards this Skate Wars thing from the beginning mm-hmm. only for them not to go to Skate Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Only for them to like, you know, like it was such a build up, like, oh, it's about the skating culture and ATL and this and that. And there was barely any skating, really. I mean, you could see that, you know, uh, Rashad was better than the cronies on his fucking team. But, like, let's be real. Those niggas were whack compared to some of these other niggas, these other crews. But, of course, we're following, you know, Rashad's story. So it's supposed to be, like, they're the best, but no one knows it yet. Cool. But at the end of the movie, Rashad narrates again, and he says, from females to friends to funerals, it's all about feelings. And I was like, yo, that's so profound shit for an 18-year-old to come with. But it's realistic in their environment, right? He says, you got to recognize the difference between what you feel and what's real. Do you think he does? Because what I think he did was he paired his feelings and what his fantasies are. Well, he draws. He drew up that love between him and Nunu. He drew up his, you know, loyalty from his friends. He drew up his, you know, comeuppance in the skating world and all of these other things and taking care of his brother. These are all noble things that he created for himself as like almost like a character description. I don't think we ever got the real Rashad is what I'm saying. I think that he always looks at his life as if someone's looking at him and he's trying to make the right decisions because why would he get tied up with a girl like Tanya in the first place where she's clearly a piece of shit, but he's able to sit here and say like, he's able to distance himself from her when she became toxic so effectively and he doesn't do it in a disrespectful way. He does it so that, you know, he doesn't, you know, necessarily have to deal with her. Which is cool. But he considers at that time when, you know, his brother's okay. All the people that he pushed away and all the people that he hurt and all the friends that he lost. He sees that coming coming full circle and getting them all back after his brother was shot. That's the real win. Mm-hmm. Not skate wars. Nigga, get the fuck out of here. It was all your fault, nigga. Remind me, didn't they just miss whatever battle it was? They ended up not going. Because Buddy got shot. Mm-hmm. It was the same day. They were supposed to be there. So he had to he had to accept that as the real win. Outside of Skate Wars. I mean, a fat buddy done took off his cast and everything just to skate. <laughs> and you know that shit was stank. I broke my arm, right? I broke my arm in 10th grade. And I had a cast from my mid, like from my bicep all the way down to my thumb. Eight weeks. Worst smell of my life. I swear. It is nothing like taking a cast off. You don't know how many times we've taken a cast off in the the OR and it is the worst smell. Because you have to understand, dead dead skin cells 
you know, sweat. Everything is trapped under the under the cast. And sometimes we even, you know, there's surgical incisions and stuff that get that get, you know, that are healing under casts. And that just smells when you take it off because you're not supposed to get it wet. This fool. Yeah, he wrapped it up when he went to the pool and stuff like that. But, you know, still got wet. Mm -hmm. And just imagine all that bacteria all up in there. No light to kill any of the bacteria. Yeah. And, you know, it was bad writing because that arm was supposed to be much smaller than the other. Do you realize in order for my arms to look normal, what I had to do to get the strength back in this arm? It's crazy. Like your body has a way of like remembering how something works or whatever, and it provides, you know, what it needs to to make everything as normal as it can be. It's called homeostasis. Like your body just naturally does these things sometimes. Mm -hmm. But when the muscles go, it's like it's a much like your arm is much smaller. He did all of that for Skate Wars. I had a little hand. It was like that dude from Scary Movie. Hold on to my strong hand. Like It was like that. It was bad. It was bad. It looked like one of T.I.'s arms. <laughs> it took some time. It took some time for me to get like the bulk, the muscle back in this arm. It did. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine what he went through. Um, and we got to talk about Teddy being 21 in high school. At some point, they would have had to say, listen, nigga, just get your GED. How did they let this? How did they let a, a fully legit grown man on high school campus? You want the real answer? Yes. The real life version? Yes. Okay, so 21 is the cutoff. And I believe in order for him to still be in school at that age, he was in the special education classes. 100%. Yeah. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's like IQ led. I think it's, it's a behavioral issue. It probably was behavioral. Um, they would really need to dive into his character. Cause I want to know his background, to be honest. He seems the most intriguing person in the cast. Because usually you get to that age mm-hmm. and you're out. But then my thing is what kept him there? Because I've had in the past when I was teaching, I had a student who was in the special education class. Okay. And he still dropped out because he said, look, school isn't for me. I'm not doing well here. I just come to school to get suspended. So I'm dropping out. Mm. So what was keeping him? Breakfast. Mm, right. He did say that. He did say that. I'm here, for the, I'm here for the breakfast. So and he doesn't even get fed at house. He, right. he doesn't get fed at the house. Isn't he the one with all the siblings? Or am I tripping? Am I thinking of a different movie? I think you're thinking of a different movie because I don't think they said anything about his uh, upbringing. But I do know that he works in the grill shop. And I think that was a family-owned grill shop or something like that. And Mm -hmm. that's all I know. But the fact that he would go to school for fucking breakfast and not like goddamn IHOP or Waffle House where they usually hang. And he has the money to eat He has the money, obviously. Um, There's a problem there. He does have some kind of like... I think he might be one of those kids who just... You know, like you're the oldest kid of the bunch and everybody else is going to be somewhere else. And you're like, dang, what a... oh, you should understand. So, you know, like when you have a day off and your friends do not mm-hmm. like yesterday, some people had it off. Mm-hmm. Other people didn't. And then you're like, man, I want to do X, Y, Z. And um, ain't got no one to do it. Exactly. That I think sucks. That's, I think that's what it is for him. Like that's, that's every day for me now. Since I can still go to school. Yeah. Let me go to school. 
And not only that, but you have to understand, how did he meet these friends? Because you have to understand, he was a senior in high school when they were in middle school. He knows them from around the way. Yeah, but that's the thing. Because I, all right, in our neighborhood, I don't know if, like, our parents got together, like, a lifetime ago and planned this out. But we were all relatively the same age, luckily. Most of us. They were everyone in this neighborhood was either my age or my sister's age. Mm-hmm. My sister had the friends that were her age. I had the friends that were my age. And there was probably one or two older kids that would hang around like sometimes, but they wouldn't be like, you know, with us all the time and shit. So I can't imagine this nigga being four years older than these niggas and still hanging around with them like they're best friends. And he's not even the fucking leader. Rashad is. How you let this little nigga be your fucking leader? That's what I don't understand. That's crazy to me. You think that the oldest person would naturally be? Naturally. That's like the little, that's like the little, the little sibling. Like that's like the youngest being in charge of all the older brothers and sisters. Okay. But have you, have you ever talked to Joel? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) But you have to understand, like, naturally, these boys are going to come to, like, some some point where, like, Jonas is going to be like, listen. Listen. Shut up. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I got this, okay? <laughs> like, like. <laughs> Hopefully, I, Joe never hears this. I hope some not. Some days I secretly, I'm just like, one day your brother's going to realize. Yeah. <laughs> and all this little mouth you have. <laughs> You've only matter. talked this long because I've allowed it. <laughs> and, and that's that's the real. That is the real. Like but that one day, Jonas is gonna wake up like, "Who are you talking to?" Yes, <laughs> even I've had to do it. <laughs> even I've had to do it. Listen, don't forget. Don't ever forget. Okay, this is me we're talking about. Like with my sister, that's right under me. I've never really had to have that conversation with her. Thank God. She's always just kind of like, oh, that's my big sister. Yeah. <laughs> now these youngins, yeah. the youngin that my parents have, like, be clear. <laughs> the, wh- okay, so the what if they try you? Huh? Exactly. What if these youngins, what if they say, hey, you know, listen, you need to follow me. Oh, okay. Perfect story. Okay. My little brother, mm-hmm. only a year older than Jonas. Damn. Yeah, I told you my my youngest siblings, my parents adopted like that's once right, me and that's my right, sister right. were out of the house. That's right. So I stayed by the house um, for my cousin's wedding, mm-hmm. and my parents they have what three three bedrooms that's not theirs. Okay. And you know my little brother is in my old room that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So. My mom was like, yeah, you can sleep in here. Um, and then we'll put him in the room with us. So I was like, cool. He sees me in his room and starts rolling his eyes because I'm going to be sleeping in there. Mm-hmm. So I looked at him and I was like, you rolling eyes at me? <laughs> <laughs> he looks at me and says, yeah, because I don't want you sleeping in my room. Oh. And I looked at him. I said, this is my room. I'm letting you stay here now, but this is my room. 
Nah. Like, that's the room that I had once my parents moved into that house. How You gonna look at me and tell me you don't want me sleeping in your room? Yeah. Like, this Dead is in your room. eye. Dead in your eye. What's up? <laughs> What's up? No, I was like, no, 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 no. You're not gonna roll your eyes at me for being in here. We're not doing that. I literally had the first stern talk with my daughter that I ever had. She was here all week. And, um... What did I say to her? Oh yeah, yeah. She she was like, she wakes me up, man. Cause I I was I was feeling lousy. She woke me up. She's like, Dad, let's go to the park. I want to go to the park. And I'm groggy. I look up, I look up at the out the window. I'm like, it's kind of cloudy, man. I'm hoping it rains like a motherfucker. I'm like, it's parents' prayer for real. Yes, yeah. (laughs) I said, look, baby, it looks kind of cloudy out there. I don't know. And then she started coughing because, you know, she, she had that, that mm-hmm. cold that when you were here the other day. And I said, oh, I don't even have to lie about the weather. I can just say, well, you know what, baby? Um, you have you have a, a heavy cold right now. And I don't think it's the best to be outside like this because I don't want you to get more sick. So she looked around and she said. But I'm, I'm not sick. Um, I'm not sick Uh, you know I just had a tickle in my throat I said a tickle I hear you coughing up stuff like you you, you're you're coughing like hard no I'm not that's not no it's not happening so I'm thinking that like she's just trying to get outside but now she's like lying about being sick to me in my face because she's coughing hard now like uncontrollably and I said what are are you doing right now I'm not I said, exactly. That's why you can't go. I said, I'm not sick, though. I'm not sick. I said, who the? Uh-huh. I had to stop myself. You, you remember the same way that Garnett, he had to stop himself when, when Aaron was talking back to him when she was walking up the steps? Yeah. I don't have to explain myself to you. Like, I literally turned into that nigga. I swear to God. Like, I, I was like, I don't have to explain myself to you. It's just answer is no. Like, it's no. You try so hard to be, like, a different kind of parent. Yes. And you're like... I'm going to say this in a way that, you know, they can understand because they're little kids. Yes. No. And then they just, they take that and they run. They run with it. <laughs> just like, who the hell are you talking At the <laughs> end of the day, you boils down, you turn into that nigga with the windbreakers and the fucking athletic shoes walking up into a skating rink and snatching your daughter up. And it's infuriating too because you take all this time to like be gentle gentle and to speak nicely nicely and, and they don't do the same thing they don't do shit <laughs> i've never raised my voice to either of my kids and i found myself looking in the mirror and seeing fucking mr garnett <laughs> and i'm like god damn i never thought i would have to deal with this because okay, she's so gentle and while we're here sweet. how would you handle it if you found out that that was your child Sneaking out to the hood? Sneaking out to the hood. Oh, you live there now. <laughs> <laughs> Take your shit. Get on the bus. You better live with that nigga Rashad because you ain't coming back up in here. Fuck that. <laughs> she doesn't get the trust fund? No. Yeah, you could go there if you want to. You want to be a little pole nigga? Fine, you going to be a pole nigga. See, okay, so I wouldn't make my kids live there. <laughs> but if you want to be a part of the hood, you gonna earn your street cred. So, Go sell some drugs. No. Oh. No, I'm. A... <laughs> I think you're being silly. Get on the corner. <laughs> no, but I'm gonna be like, look, you want to earn your street cred? Mm-hmm. 
these kids are out here doing stuff to make a difference in their community. So oh, since, you're talking about being you know, like listen, a... So since, so since you want to take the street cred from the kids who actually had to live this, mm-hmm. you're going to be shoulder to shoulder with them okay. doing the work to make this place better. And if you don't, then we're going to have a problem. Oh, so you mean like we're going to have a like boys and girls club or volunteering? You're going to volunteer all of your free time. Mm. Okay. That, 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 that sounds pretty dope. Like, cause I mean, every, every great story has it. I think this was like, um, Aladdin in a way. Okay. Princess Jasmine had a life of, of luxury and royalty and she wanted to feel how it felt to be a regular person. And she hooks up with Rashad. I mean, Aladdin and they, they fucking <laughs> go off in his Monte Carlo uh, magic carpet. You know, I actually think Esquire is Aladdin. Oh, because he faked being a prince. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is why Esquire and, and, and Aaron are, are they're probably married in, in the sequel. You know? They're probably fucking married. They're, they're probably, probably married and then Rashad doesn't talk to them because you took my girl. Rashad is broke. He's a broke uh he's gonna be author. Broke. Yeah. I think he's gonna be a illustrator for children's books. You think so? Mm-hmm. And okay, he, he sells I, but, on Amazon. but he's going to be like Harper Stewart. He is going to be like few and far between. Like the first one was a hit and then the second, third, fourth, eighth. Well, all he has to do is draw. I think he's going to be an illustrator. He's going to work on Fiverr. Okay. And get clients that way and illustrate some books that sell on Amazon. What do you think of Teddy? What's he doing? He's still in the shop. You know, grills ain't a thing no more. So what's he doing now? He's selling shoes, sneakers. He moved, what? To, he moved to Tallahassee. He moved to Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> I could have sworn I ran into Jason Weaver in Tallahassee. That's the funny thing. Like, he's not good at, like, this is what I know how to do. This is my skill. I'm going to just, I'm going to just keep moving to where they still doing this. And then when I can't find nowhere else, I'm going to bring it back and stop. I think, I think Brooklyn owns about two wing stops now. You think he owns Wingstop? Yeah. I think he's the friend that always calls everybody about the next uh, get-rich-quick scheme. Okay. Yeah, I do. I think he's an MLM. I think he's also... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think he's he's deep in that. I think the twins are on OnlyFans. OnlyFans. I think they're still boosting. And they're on OnlyFans. Boosting and OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they, they're selling they're cat. The city girls. They are the city girls. In fact, yes, they are the fucking city girls. Uh, Marcus is a politician. He's a politician. That nigga, that nigga is, mm. he's running for mayor or he's. He does strike me as the type of person who's going to make all of their money. Yeah. And then do something. And then do something positive. Yeah. Like you can rub elbows with the wealthy folks. Yeah. But you're not going to tell anybody how you got the wealth. Yeah. Yeah. If you know, you know. Yeah. I think I think Uncle George had uh, a baby with that old ass lady on her last I think he's egg. He's a deacon. On his on her last egg. You think he's a deacon? If that's his woman, he's a deacon in the church. No, I think that ATL was the prequel to Forrest Gump. I think he then became uh, Bubba Gump <laughs> and then started selling shrimp <laughs> after the old lady died. Okay, so at what point in his <laughs> life? Was he throwing oranges up at the balcony? <laughs> that was that was after Forrest Gump. Wait, no, did he die in Forrest Gump? Yeah. Oh, never mind. That was the end. Forrest Gump was a futuristic story, so I do believe <laughs> I believe that he was throwing the oranges in waiting to exhale as the crackhead. I think that was before 
he got the phone call that his sister died. Then he had to do ATL. Then he See, became Bubba Gump. I told Bubba you. Gump. I told you he got. He started getting his life together because yeah. of his sister. There you go. He was a raggedy. Uh, he was a raggedy bitch himself. He was a crackhead. And then his sister called. He had to go answer the call, run the business. He met an old lady. They had a kid. And that's why he thought that he could get woman going all through the house because he had Layla Rashawn at one point. There you go. There so you like, fucking go. There you he go. He can't get women anymore, but he's like, I know what I had back in the day. I, still, <laughs> I used to be able to pull her. <laughs> Do you think the twins' mom was a lot like Doughboy's mom? Nah, I think it's different. I think the twins' mom, she's one of those moms, your kids become a teenager, and in your mind, <clears> your work <throat> is done. Like, they're not even 18 yet, but you're like, listen, I can leave them in the house by themselves. Mm -hmm. I ain't got to parent them anymore. See? I just got to throw a couple of hundreds for some clothes and some food, but they good. I, you see, I never want that. I never want to feel that comfortable because teenagers need some fucking help, as you can see. Yeah. They and, are, and they are a mess. I think she was disappointed, too, because you can see that she still wanted her kids to have morals. Right. Nobody knows how she made that money that was in her bra. Only fans. Listen, we have we have our our thoughts on that. Um, Yo, her mama was selling cat. I think it's a possibility, or her mom was working for Marcus since she likes saying Marcus all the time. Oh man, I never would have put that together, man. That's that's probably she was probably prostituting for Marcus. Listen, I think we should drop uh, Buddha's theory at the end of this episode let people listen to it because <laughs> yeah. we do it so much in yeah. this show yeah where yeah. we have characters played by the same actor actress yeah and we connect them i think that everybody is typecasted like no matter how good of an actor you are like we could find a way to connect the dots it's a six degrees separation from every role yeah. i think yeah we're gonna have buddha explain that at the end of this episode that sounds good that sounds good that sounds fitting actually so stay, stay after and uh, listen to that. <laughs> stay for the after party of this. <laughs> but all right. Uh, I think this was uh, ATL. We didn't even have to go into the clips of the movie because uh, we pretty much broke this bitch down. Yeah, we're going from high school to college in the next episode. Yeah, we're going to college. So you know what that means. Sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of the best sex. Licking some, nipples. Licking nipples and not even oh, uh, uh, breast nipples. <laughs> licking chesticles. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right, y'all. <laughs> What's up, time, Brandon? I appreciate you guys inviting me onto your podcast to kind of explain myself on how Ebony from the Players Club and Mia Calhoun from The Best Man are the same person. For those who don't know, my name is Darian Ford, and I kind of went semi-viral on this. Um, but anyway, back in December 28th, 2017, I'm in the office extremely bored. You know, it's right before New Year's. Nobody is in there but me. And so I have nothing but time. And during this free time, there was a whole bunch of memes going around on Twitter and Facebook comparing two different characters played by the same actress or actor and how they are the same person but there was really no story behind it people were just posting it i really didn't get it after a while so one day i'm just looking at them all and then i'm like hold up you know i believe that ebony from the players club and mia calhoun from 
the best man are the same person. And so, again, I tell you guys, I'm, like, really bored. So I have nothing but time in my hands. And I just started writing it down in a Facebook post. And I'm, like, you know, how does this story relate in some type of way? How can we relate these characters? And so I'm just, like, okay. Ebony started off in Miami. She flew to L.A. to go be with Diamond. That whole debacle happened. And I'm just, like the whole situation with the, you know, the assault that she started working in the shoe store. And then she's like, okay, she got herself together. So where could she go from there? Nope. Yeah. UCLA. Okay. She meets Quentin, you know, so now she's another character, but I'm still going to say she's still Ebony. And so, um, she meets Quentin and that was the scene where Monica comes in to the, I think it was like a frat house or a party and boom, there's a connection there. So, in that part of the instance, I'm like, okay, she likes people who play sports. So we really don't know what happened to her after that. And so that's where I just came up with the plot where she just flew back east, you know, home and decided to continue on at another university or something. And boom, she meets Lance. And that's pretty much what happened there. And I just kind of connected those dots. Um, I have really nothing else to explain. I posted it on Facebook. And I didn't expect for it to get like almost like 20,000 shares. You know, it just kept going on and on. And people were actually were like, okay, this could be, this could be true. This could work. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's the only thing I could say. Hope this works. I appreciate you guys. Allow me to share this quick story. Have a good one. All right, couch potatoes, that's the end of our episode. Join us next time when we warn something else. Until then, later.